Welcome to Garden Talk with your local growing experts from Bookleaf Gardens, where we help you grow. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Mona Dyer with Bookcliff Gardens, where we help you grow. We're going to be talking about gardening, actually uh, focusing in on a specific thing that's going on here in the Valley this uh, this year. Uh, our special guest this morning is Melissa Schreiner. She is the CSU entomologist, and we are going to be talking about the status of efforts against the Japanese beetle. Good morning. Good morning, Mona. Thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. It's always a pleasure having you. Uh, we're going to give just a, a little bit of an update on weather. We've got a nice day ahead, mostly sunny, uh, but unseasonably warm. Uh, we are looking for a high uh, that's up pretty close to 50 today, uh, partly cloudy today and tomorrow. Tomorrow, though, it's going to turn a little bit cloudier with a chance of rain late tomorrow into Monday, uh, clearing by midweek and warming back into the 40s by the latter part of the week. Much the same for Delta and Montrose through this week. Snow continues to pile up in the high country. Um, they have gotten lots of snow up on Grand Mesa. So anyone who is uh, up in the high country uh, to play, recreate, travel, whatever, please be careful up there. It is just the, the snow avalanche danger is really high right now. Uh, we're kind of dry down here. Uh, we are uh, behind schedule as far as precipitation for the year. And with the unseasonably warm weather, um, things are drying out out in the yards. So let's get to um, what Melissa has been working on. You had a very busy week with uh, uh, some conferences. Tell me what happened. Correct. So every year the Western Colorado Horticultural Society partners with the Colorado Association of um, Viticulture and Enology and there is the Vinco show that occurs. It's an annual event that brings in folks from all over the nation that are growing mainly fruit. It's primarily a, it's a horticultural conference. We do get folks that are growing other vegetables, et cetera, but there is a real emphasis on our tree fruit and on our grapes. There's a whole lineup of speakers that are brought in. And this year there was um, an ask of me to come and speak about the Japanese beetle, which is a project I've been involved in as a partner since a breeding population was found here in the Grand Junction area in uh, 2022 in July, mm -hmm. after efforts had been made years prior to eradicating this pest out of the Palisade area. Mm -hmm. And in the early 2000s, we were successful in getting those dealt with, but here we go again. Yes, all, all but luck really was, is my take on how the Japanese beetle um, took, took long to resurface. I mean, we had a, a year, you know, 2009, they had gotten rid of it in Palisade, and it wasn't until 2022 that there was another population that went undetected and, and showed back up. Um, the Japanese beetle is an invasive species, and invasive species are, it can be, different types of biology, but they're moved out of their area of origin to a new area. And this is often done, it's human driven through trade and transportation. And that was the case for the Japanese beetle when it arrived in the United States in the early 1900s. It came over from Japan on plant material to be shown in the World's Fair. And those grubs were hidden within the soil of those potted plants. And so that plant material was moved across the ocean all the way to the states and it, it's taken over the east coast 
if folks are familiar with the Japanese beetle, often they have ties to the East Coast or possibly to the Colorado Front Range where it did arrive um, at a similar time as they were fighting it in Palisade. It was an issue in the Denver metro area. And unfortunately, it's now a permanent and forever problem for the Front Range. It was not, um, the response was not quick enough. And this biology is, um, it doesn't take long for it to take hold and to spread and infest an area to the point where it's irreversible. They um, are going to be on the Front Range forever. Um, living in irrigated turf grass, their grubs are able to survive out here um, living and feeding on plant roots, primarily grasses. And then it's one time per year that these beetles come, come out of the ground. They erupt in their adult form in a big way, and they feed on hundreds of landscape plants. And they threaten agriculture in, in the way that they have a favorite plant, the grape and peach trees. And they have a lot of favorite plants that we grow here in the valley for our livelihood, but it, it will impact residential spaces um, equally it's gonna be a problem for our parks our front yards our our landscape plants will be possibly you know this year we we need folks to be out looking for the japanese beetle because we do have it in our area so i i take it then that the japanese beetle being here was talk of the town at this conference correct i had over 110 people in my japanese beetle talk which is a pretty outstanding number for something i mean last year i think i did have 70 when i initially announced that this pest had arrived in the valley and and this year we went through some of the accomplishments and challenges that have occurred just forming partnerships and uh, you know a project team to address this this issue um mesa county has the only coordinated treatment effort they are the ones that have legal authority, not the State Department of Ag, over the treatment of private property. So in Colorado, the power is more with our local municipalities, unlike Oregon and Utah, where if this was, you know, a pro it, it is a problem in their states, and it that problem is inherited by their Department of Agriculture's. And in this case, our Department of Ag is supporting this project, but they don't have the legal authority to treat private property, which is a little different than other states have approached some of this legislation. So it's on Mesa County and the city of Grand Junction to to step up, and which they've done. And I think there's an ask to potentially strengthen this approach and really take this eradication campaign seriously. Um, I think these partners are all invested in continuing to fight this effort. Just um, we need to collaborate and really work hard to strengthen our efforts so we can throw absolutely everything at this Japanese beetle. Um, so we have had uh, we have had some success. So let's talk about what happened last year. What were the wins last year? So the CDA, uh, they were not able to treat private property, but they were able to provide excellent trapping data. They do have authority to trap a private property. They can come in as the State Department of Ag and say, we're going to place a trap on your property and there will be someone that comes and checks this regularly. We have to get this data from the area. And so they did a very coordinated approach to trap that known area where we felt the Japanese beetle was breeding in those subdivisions um, in North Grand Junction. Um, and that was a huge win to get that data. That was very needed. It, it helped to inform Mesa County's decisions on where to launch a treatment um, project, essentially, and to go in and have a coordinated effort to treat lawns. It's most 
successful when we treat the Japanese beetle in the stage when it is a grub form, when it's just feeding on irrigated lawn. Um, there are products that are very safe and selective to be used. There's an array of products that can be used, and if the label is followed, it's very safe. Um, the county has chosen a um, reduced risk pesticide. Commercial applicators have been applying. Um, WD Yards was a partner of the county this year. They were brought in on an our um, on our proposal, a request for proposal to to work with the county to treat some 1,200 properties for the Japanese beetle and. There was more than that that was treated. We had our school districts help to treat in areas that were surrounding. We had churches treat lawns. And there was a real community effort that I think needs to be acknowledged and celebrated. Folks did come together around this issue. And not only did CDA trap for the Japanese beetle in that, that known area, my program um, through our CSU extension um, entomology program, we were able to look at other areas of the county that we're not going to be surveyed otherwise. So we we did this by partnering with you out there, the citizens of this county that were willing to step up and be trained as a citizen scientist trapper of the Japanese beetle. And what folks were asked were to provide their location where they were going to set that trap on their private property within the county and look for the Japanese beetle every two weeks. And if they found something suspicious, they were to bring it in to have it confirmed professionally by one of the entomologists in our office and um, we were able to get a lot more data from the county represented on just where this this beetle was found and I want to highlight a success of that program CDA trapped that that main area but when CSU extension a trap from a citizen scientist found a beetle outside of that known area which occurred several times these beetles do fly up to about five miles in perfect conditions I mean they're that's across the valley that this very mobile. could fly. They're very mobile. I think that is something within this biology that is unfortunately against us. They, they are very mobile. But CDA helped to respond by putting more traps in areas where a citizen scientist found a positive Japanese beetle. And we were able to help um, get really important data back to the county so that they could make appropriate decisions about where late summer treatments needed to occur to help help stop this beast from spreading further across right, our valley. Broaden the dragnet so we know where to look. Correct. Where to increase um, the effort. That's that's amazing. Um, and you know, I I give kudos as well to to all the residents outside of the the initial zone that was called the hot spot. Um, at, at Bookcliff, there were people who came in and they asked questions and they were interested in learning more. And that is, I think, so incredibly important that uh, people are really wanting to do the right thing and try to help because there is, there is something really important at stake. The, the agriculture uh, industry here in Mesa County is... It's a huge industry. You you were just at the conference. What what numbers are we looking at if if this is not stopped? I mean, we have just just focusing on growers. I mean, we have hundreds of tree fruit growers and grape growers. It's already that Mesa County is being impacted in terms of our exports. Our our green industry is currently struggling. I mean, you look at the agricultural industry. That's what we 
we are, you know, we're risking. I mean, there's going to be new management that would have to go into place per t to protect these crops against the Japanese beetle. If this beetle festers in the urban area and moves into agriculture, that's a problem on the horizon. A current problem in, in my mind that I'm focusing on and I want to highlight is that our grain industry, our, our nursery men and women are unable to move plant material out of the county into surrounding states because the Japanese beetle is treated like the plague and it should be once you have the Japanese beetle it is an incredible problem to to have to handle and so unfortunately the State Department of Agriculture within New Mexico has declined imports from Mesa County in Colorado and that's um that's causing people to lose money here in the valley that are raising our plants and we that's livelihood out of people's pockets it is there are there are people who are losing their jobs as a result of of this beetle um, simply because plant material cannot be moved across a state line into New Mexico Not and until Mesa County can and take care of and it. it's got to be it's got to be tamped down it's got to be stopped well we're coming up uh, to our first commercial break uh, we will take uh, some calls uh, at on the last segment so uh, please save your calls our number is 245-1100 245 uh, we are going to be back after this short commercial break I'm with Melissa Schreiner she is the CSU entomologist and we're talking this morning about uh, eradication of the Japanese beetle we'll be right back Hi, this is Calvin. And this is Cole. If your transmission is acting up, bring it down. And at Driveline Service, we can build a custom drive shaft and rebuild differentials. Baker's Transmission and Driveline Service. 540 Hoover Drive on I-70B. 1100 KNZZ, dependable weather. Slight chance of showers Sunday, Grand Junction 48, Montrose 45. Chance of rain and snow overnight, 36. More rain and snow on Monday, 45. All families are different, and some have parents or children with little to no eyesight. But this doesn't stop them from sharing the work, play, love, and laughter of family life. Eyesight doesn't define a parent, a child, or a family. What counts is being together. Want to learn more? Visit us on the web at blind.org. The National Federation of the Blind. Live the life you want. Getting it right with Rick Wagner. Saturdays at noon and Sunday afternoons at 5 on 1100 KNZZ and 92.7 FM. Good morning and welcome to Food for Thought with Dixie Burmeister. And now, here's Dixie. Well, we have some little gremlin that's running around in the board this morning, so we are back. My name is Mona Dyer, and this is Garden Talk. I have a special guest in the studio this morning. KNZZ, dependable weather. Slide. change that. Volunteer to give rides with the American Cancer Society Road to Recovery Program. 
Driving for a few hours of your day can make a life-saving difference for someone with cancer. Visit cancer.org slash drive to learn more. Miss a day. Do we want to fund a government that secures the border, or do we want to fund a government that continues Joe Biden's policies? You missed a lot. We have sworn testimony now that is counter to everything that both Hunter and Joe Biden have said. News Radio 1100, KNZZ, Medicare Easy as Pie, with your host, Stephanie Garcia Hagan from Mesa Benefits, Saturday mornings at 8 on 1100, KNZZ, and 92.7 FM. The following program is pre recorded. Well, the following program is not pre-recorded. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. We've got gremlins in the board this morning, apparently. My name is Mona Dyer, and this is Garden Talk, brought to you by Bookcliff Gardens. We have a special guest in studio this morning, Melissa Schreiner, who is the CSU entomologist. And we're talking about uh, the efforts against the Japanese beetle. So um, we have talked a little bit about what uh, we did last year, what was done in the county last year. So what is the plan for this year? Where are we so far this year? So my understanding is a new Mesa County coordinator, Ryan Surratt, has been hired and has been brought on and plans a meeting for next week of you know partners that have been involved thus far. Well, welcome, to, Ryan. Yes, welcome, Ryan. <laughs> and um, we're, we're so grateful to have have Ryan he's been an excellent communicator so far and is really hitting the ground running to to take on a daunting task of you know addressing our um, our path to an, a, a solution to find the, the Jap you know to get the Japanese beetle out of the valley and Ryan um, plans a meeting for next week he was involved with the Western Colorado Hort show this last Toyota's week and got 22 vehicles with available all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive and that's more than any other auto brand from winter-ready SUVs like Grand Highlander and RAV4 to steady sedans like the Camry all-wheel drive, Corolla hybrid all-wheel drive, and the Majestic Crown. Plus rugged trucks like Tacoma and Tundra. We're ready for winter action with solid traction. Yours, Toyota. Toyota, let's go places. Based on the new fashioner's website sites of 11-21-23. This is Kevin Lamar for Western Slope Toyota, a mile and a half west of Mesa Mall. Shop us online at westernsloperto.com. Join us for our 23rd Annual Wedding Expo, Sunday, January 28th at Grand Junction Convention Center. It's your day. Plan it your way. Every detail, just how you imagined it. Get new ideas and the latest innovations for your special day all in one place. It's the largest premier bridal show in Western Colorado, and admission is free this year, courtesy of Ambassador Blind and Shutter. Don't miss the 23rd Annual Wedding Expo, Sunday, January 28th from 11 to 3 at Grand Junction Convention Center. All right, contestants, here's your next question. You're driving on the highway when you see an accident on the side of the road and a state patrol car with its lights on. What should you do? Chris, you rang in first. Um, slow down? Ooh, sorry. So close. Mary! Uh, move over? No, no, no. I'm sorry. The correct answer was slow down and move over. That's slow down and move over. Not one or the other, but both. Mary, you still have the board. I'm sorry. Is this an actual game show? Nope. It's a public service message for Slow Down, Move Over, Colorado. Ah, that makes more sense. Slow down and move over. It's the law. Learn more at sdmocolorado.org. NBC Grand Radio shares this message to support our community. The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies. Because when people don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from, 
they can truly thrive. Like Marta. And now we'll hear from our class valedictorian, who with our hard work never ceases to amaze us. Please welcome Marta Moreno. And Alex. Hey, Alex. How did the interview go? I did it! I got the job! I can't believe it! I knew it. Let's meet up later to celebrate. And Diego. Mom! I got first place at the science fair with my volcano project. That's amazing, sweetie. Congratulations. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished, and everyone deserves to live a full life. Join the movement to end hunger at feedingamerica.org slash act now. feedingamerica.org slash act now. A public service announcement brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Life is filled with many paths. But for Native American children, the most important path is the one that leads them out of poverty. It's a path that led me here, to St. Joseph's Indian School. It's where I came to grow and learn. Find care, love, and support. Stay healthy and safe. And make friends that last a lifetime. For almost 100 years, St. Joseph's Indian School has been giving Native American children a path out of poverty through education, love, and support. And 96% of St. Joe's students graduate high school. That's 10% higher than the national average. St. Joseph's Indian School is our path to a brighter future. Learn more at stjo.org today. It's comforting to know conservative values haven't been abandoned everywhere. All we want is freedom and liberties and less government. Welcome home. News Radio 1100, KNZZ, Mark Levin. Now you know what the Democrat Party thinks of you. Weekday afternoons at 4. They don't respect you, they won't engage you. On News Radio 1100, KNZZ. Welcome back to Garden Talk with your hosts from Bookleaf Gardens. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we've had some gremlins in the board, and uh, we are going to march forward. Special guest in the studio today is Melissa Schreiner. She is the CSU entomologist, and we're talking about uh, the efforts against Japanese beetle. Uh, we do have a new weed and pest manager for Mesa County, Ryan Sarad. And, uh, Melissa, you mentioned that he is... Um, uh, brand new on board, gonna gonna be a, a quick learning curve to get him spun up, right? Yes, correct. So he's organized a meeting to have his partners inform him of what's been done so far. This meeting will be occurring this week, but Ryan was busy already, really before he's even starting his position with the county. He was this week passing out education about the Japanese beetle. He's hitting the ground running and will really serve as the glue to hopefully help us solve this this problem the Japanese beetle you know our, our county commissioners have have stated clearly they want to eradicate this pest and Ryan and partners are going to be working hard to uh, you know attempting you know a lot of different angles to reach a solution um, but eradication it's it's easier said than done I really want to exaggerate how challenging it is to fight biology and it's going to be this 2024 season that the trapping data is going to show what the 2023 treatments did did it slow did it slow this beetle down or have we really dented the population right. even we don't we we aren't sure and it, it is going to be years of likely battling this pest what kind of markers should we look for to tell us whether we are holding steady whether we're winning or whether it's winning 
you know, it's going to be based on adults captured. It's going to be where there's new locations, potentially, of adults captured. How many, in terms of quantity, are being found? I'll, I'll do a bit of a recap. In 2022, when a breeding population in Grand Junction was found, it was found in four or five subdivisions um, outside of, um, pretty much, it was in northern Grand Junction. And... There was only 239 beetles caught, and traps were going out when beetles had already been flying around. So only a portion of that population was captured in the 22 season when this problem was detected. Last year in 2023, CDA, Department of Ag, and CSU Extension partnered to get traps across the entire county. There was over 600 manned traps in the valley. That's a massive effort um, in terms of, you know, hundreds of hours are going into this. And then um, these efforts will, will continue into the 24 year. Those are commitments that have been made. All partners are committed to fighting this pest. And now we, we have to work amongst ourselves to strengthen our approach. And we really will be, we'll be doing everything we can to trap this area in the same place again and expand if we are able. And I know that the Mesa County and the city of Grand Junction has made financial commitments within their 24 budget to, to address this pest. How, just how much and what that money will be spent on, I, I can't really say, but I do believe Mesa County has, you know, confirmed for us that they will be treating again and will be, you know, taking this very seriously. And, you know, very recently, the Western Colorado Horticultural Society Board of Directors delivered letters to the Mesa County Board of County Commissioners saying thank you for their their efforts and it it's a big thank you this is a massive effort this is a massive problem that's fallen on mesa county's lap and they have stepped up saying you know we're not going to ignore this problem we are we are going to take this on and this year is about diversifying how we are solving this problem in my eyes we need to better strengthen our communication so that we are um, we are ready for what this beetle is going to throw at us often invasive species are five or six steps ahead of those controlling them, we are going to have to think smarter and act quickly. Right. The so compared to what initially was found in in 2022 um, versus what was trapped uh, the following year, it was a tenfold, Correct. tenfold increase. Yes. It doesn't mean that there that the beetles weren't there. It just means we didn't know that they were there. Correct. It was just shy of 5,800 adult beetles that were trapped in the 23 season. And that that seems substantial. That's a 20-fold increase. It's shocking, really, when you look at numbers. But, but folks, I want to be real with you. I mean, as someone that studies insects for their livelihood, I can tell you that this is not an unsolvable problem. This is doable. And we have thousands of beetles, yet you say, oh, this entomologist much, must not know what she's talking about. But folks, we have solved this problem with numbers that are greater than this in the past. Not necessarily in Colorado, but there are eradication efforts ongoing that have taken a lot of beetles out of communities. And it's, it's possible. Is what I, I, want it, I want folks to be encouraged that if we can work together, this, this is solvable. But I, I worry that these beetles were here for longer than, than we, we knew about. And they were breeding in, in Grand Junction for for longer than we were we were detecting them 22 is when they were put on our radar but we have some work to do to catch up on removing them from our environment and as we've mentioned in this radio show today they're they're highly mobile beetles they they move around on their own they fly they're strong flyers 
but humans help to vector them around. And I want to touch just a little bit on how humans help to move infested yeah, material. Yeah, please do. I mean, we don't we don't know what we're doing when we do it, but we often may want to share some of our potted plants with a neighbor or with our friends down in Delta or Montrose counties or we may choose as property owners to go with a cheaper bid to source turf and that that choice maybe I haven't vetted that landscape contractor I haven't double checked as that purchaser of that service that they are certified with the Colorado Department of Agriculture so that I know that that plant material is going through a certain set of standard standards to to be sure that it's Japanese beetle free when it ends up in my yard here in the valley or if it's going to be going on to Delta or Montrose counties where we don't have this beetle or at least yet we don't have those that beetle spreading I mean we we can limit the movement of plant material if we are smart with who we hire and we, we choose to go with folks that are certified with the Department of Agriculture and it's disappointing to see how how little landscape companies in the valley are certified with the Department of Ag. It's it's actually not not very many folks are certified. So I think that's a goal for folks in the valley of landscapers that are interested in helping to aid this problem. Make make sure that you're sourcing your plant material um, as the State Department of Ag says you should be. And that, those certifications, um, you know, the, the inspectors go to the places where the plant material is being um, distributed. It is, um, and the inspectors come, they, they check the material, they check the, the paperwork, they check the documentation to make sure that everything um, that has been brought in from another place um, has been checked. Uh, any any plant material that comes into Bookcliff Gardens from out of state comes with paperwork that um, that indicates it was checked at the nursery from whence it came, and it gets checked at uh, every state line, exactly. every state line. It it is checked at ports of entry. It can't come across a state line if it hasn't been checked folks that are registered and many of our nurseries here in the valley and in the tri-river area are registered with the colorado department of agriculture and it's it's often that i find that fewer landscape companies are registered and i just think that we have many nurseries here our, our green industry is strong here in the valley and our nursery men and women are doing their due diligence they're this very detailed work to be regulated to make sure that they aren't improperly moving biology to the valley which is likely not how <laughs> this beetle arrived it likely arrived through some rogue landscape contractor that unfortunately you know we can't prove but likely sourced infested turf where they should have not gotten that plant material and they they brought it here and they they put it in for a developer I, everyone here in the valley knows we're growing fast urbanization is a very real issue and we have neighborhoods coming up left and right and you know this is a you know a common a comment i'd like to make to developers as well if we have any folks listening out there folks that are helping to build neighborhoods in the grand valley need to be aware that the cheapest bid is not always the bid to go with we need to be responsible with the plant material that we're sourcing the cheapest bid may actually cause cost us big in the long run um the the ag industry the the grape and the fruit industry is a multi-million dollar industry uh not not to mention the agritourism that goes along with that um those are those are 
good paying jobs. Those are those are the reasons that people move here to live in the houses that the developers are building. And so without a, a little bit um, more skin in the game, um, th those developments may be, um, they, they have an opportunity to do the right thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, I was talking to Commissioner Daniel about how at this point, the Board of Commissioners are recommending to developers that they treat sod that's coming in. And whether that's being enforced or not is, is up in the air. My understanding is it's just a recommendation at this point that mm -hmm. they're recommending to their developers that they pay attention to this issue. Um, nothing so far has been enforced um, from the county. Right. So, you know, moving forward, um, meeting next week uh, with the, the new pest, uh, weed and pest manager, uh, with, with some of the players that, uh, stakeholders, if you will. And so, you know, very soon, it won't be long before, uh, I think, uh, we'll have a, a kind of a cookie cutter approach of maybe what happened last year. Yes, I mean, it's my hope that there is some, you know, I think recently there has been some information from the county coming out about what their 23 achievements have been, but I think there's been little comment on, besides just that they're committed for 24 and there's money in the budget, um, on what the exact details are going to be. And I'm hoping to scrap together some of that information myself in this upcoming meeting just to become informed on what are, you know, the key players in this um in this problem and solving this problem, what are their plans for the 24 season? And a lot of that will be coming out from, from Ryan Surad, ideally at this upcoming meeting. Right, because getting getting the materials onto the turf grass, um, it, it's, going to, it's going to need to take place pretty quick um, because the material, uh, acilopril, is, is the compound that the county has chosen to use uh, in its effort uh, for, for properties that are being treated. It does take time for that material to get down into the soil. So uh, speak to that a little bit as far as the life cycle of, of this pest. So the product that was chosen is, a, it's a product only available to commercial applicators. It's called a Celeprin. And it is a product that is very selective towards scarab grubs. So it's not broad spectrum that it's going to kill all of our soil fauna off when we apply it. It's just going after these C-shaped grubs in, in the ground. And it it's going after the, the next generation of grubs is what it's most efficient at. So if we, if we have grubs in, in the ground, and maybe it's important to talk through some of the life cycle here in our next segment, but I think it's valuable to... to to realize that this product was used because it's safe and this was a um, voluntary compliance approach that was taken and folks were, we, they got 90% compliance using this product in yards and a cellprin does take a bit of time to end up in the soil. So having the timeline, I believe, spelled out for the 24 season would be to our advantage. And I think that we, we are all, all partners are working to achieve getting a timeline written down. Right. And the timeline is, is, that's the next big thing right now. All right, we are going to take our last commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, that nasty little pest's uh, life cycle. Along with Melissa Schreiner, I'm Mona Dyer. This is Garden Talk, and we'll be right back. Dear winner, Toyota's got 22 vehicles with available all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, and that's more than any other auto brand. 
From winter-ready SUVs like Grand Highlander and RAV4 to steady sedans like the Camry all-wheel drive, Corolla hybrid all-wheel drive, and the Majestic Crown. Plus rugged trucks like Tacoma and Tundra. We're ready for winter action with solid traction. Yours, Toyota. Toyota, let's go places. Based on the new fashioner's website as of 11-21-23. Visit Turner Toyota today on East Main in Montrose. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Lee Wood, co-founder of Woods High Mountain Distillery in Salida, Colorado. When the Secure Savings Program came around, it's both a tax-effective incentive for saving for retirement. Colorado businesses that have been around two or more years and have five or more employees must act now. If you have not taken any action, you will be fined starting in March. We want your business to avoid financial penalties. Enroll and run payroll now or let us know you already have a plan. This message is sponsored by the Colorado Department of Treasury and the Colorado Broadcasters Association. Leaks or dark spots on your shingles? These can be signs you need a new roof. If you see the signs, go to Signs Roofing to get a free estimate. They are the best in the West for a reason. Find out why at saenzroofing.com. Signs Roofing. 1100 KNZZ, dependable weather. Slight chance of showers Sunday, Grand Junction 48, Moab 50. Chance of rain and snow overnight, 36. More rain and snow Monday, 45. Children are the greatest joy and our best hope for a better future. Friends, they are the future. But did you know that millions of kids right here in our own backyard are facing hunger every day? Without healthy food, it's harder to grow, to thrive, to feel their best. The impact when children don't have enough to eat is tremendous because when you're hungry and your basic needs aren't being met, you cannot learn. Every child deserves to be fed. This is a problem we know how to solve. Food is not just food, it's energy health, confidence, hope, and even love. Yes, love. Breakfast in the classroom contributes to kids being more focused, which leads to higher grades, and simply just their well-being. Thank you! Learn more about how No Kid Hungry is helping end child hunger in America at helpnokidhungry.org. Children are the greatest joy and our best hope for a better future. Friends, they are the future. But did you know that millions of kids are facing hunger every day? Food is not just food. It's energy, health, confidence, hope, and even love. Yes, love. Thank you! Learn more about how No Kid Hungry is helping end child hunger in America at helpnokidhungry.org. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Thousands of pro-life activists rallied under falling snow and freezing temperatures on Friday at the annual March for Life. Among the speakers, Speaker of the House, Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana, says he himself was an unplanned baby back in 1972, and his young parents considered abortion but chose to keep him. New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith told participants they need to do more to protect the unborn, despite the Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. A fire at a landfill near Panama City is creating toxic fumes. It's forcing evacuations as firefighters continue to battle that blaze, which could be deadly. On Wall Street Friday, a winning session for the Dow up 359 points at 37,863. The S&P 500 was up by 58 points. This is SRN News. When the weather turns wicked, 
Staying informed can make all the difference. On air, online, or on the app, 1100 KNZZ. Welcome back to Garden Talk with your host from Booklet Gardens since 1968, where we help you grow. Well, welcome back, everyone. I have a special guest in studio today, Melissa Schreiner, who is the CSU entomologist. And we've been talking about um, the latest updates where Japanese beetle is concerned. The big deal right now is the timeline, uh, getting the timeline squared away for the 2024 season. Um, The timeline, though, uh, we have to keep in mind the life cycle of the pest itself. So let's talk about that bug. Yeah, I just want to cover the life cycle of the Japanese beetle, and we'll start when it's an adult in the summertime, and it's out feeding on many plants in the landscape, whether it's Virginia creeper, or linden trees, or garden vegetables, or rose bushes. This beetle is everywhere, and we've been talking to you about how it's a significant issue when this is occurring, because it's hard to control a pest that's feeding on such a wide host range of plants. But when they're feeding on these plants, they're also reproducing, and then these impregnated female adult beetles are laying eggs in in grass lawns where that those lawns are irrigated with the suitable amount of moisture for the beetle eggs and then those eggs hatch and they become hungry root feeding grubs they're little grubs that are c-shaped and my mother says they're the ugliest thing that's ever crawled the (laughs) earth and they are not very pretty to look at i will say but they're they're in their feeding stage at this time they're munching on grass roots and this, about this time of year, it's becoming late fall and it's becoming colder. And these grubs sense that change in the season and they migrate downward into the soil to become insulated where mm-hmm. they overwinter in that state in a larger form of that grub where they've fed some in the fall so they're a larger size and they can withstand the cold temperatures of Colorado winters. Throughout that time when it's cold, they're down cozy, tucked in, the insulated soil and it's not until spring when that soil starts to thaw and warm that those beetles begin feeding yet again until they complete their life cycle as a grub and they pupate and that's the the state that they're in while they're changing into their adult form and it's at this time that we have in the spring we have grubs that are active in, in the soil and that's when the product acelaprin is applied so that it can have a few weeks to sit and become active so that when it's summertime again and there are eggs being laid in those lawns, if that acelaprin product is active, those eggs cease to hatch. And if they do, those larvae cease to grow up and they cannot continue that cycle. It stops it before they really can become a feeding grub that will overwinter and next year hatch as an adult is an issue for us. Gotcha. So application of... Um, the compound. Timing-wise, ideally, when should that take place? That product really needs to be getting applied in May so that by the time that adults are hatching out of the ground and even thinking about reproducing, that product is active so that the lawns that are sprayed with a celeprin are in a way protected from future egg-laying, that future next year's population of this beetle. And By all means, there are other products that are almost more reactive that might, you know, take care of some of those grubs currently in the ground, not the next generation. So, folks, there's lots of products available to you. You're always welcome to call into the CSU Extension Office. I'm happy to compare and contrast the different 
scrub products that are available, but really it's almost as if you're applying them at slightly different times to target whether you have that existing grub in the ground. Acelaprin might take care of some of those grubs, but it's really applied to control those eggs that will be there in several weeks' time. There are products you could apply to active grubs in the soil, like imidacloprid, trade name Merit. There are different, uh, there's other products that can be applied to take care of living grubs. So folks, you're always welcome to, you know, talk to your landscape folks about what they're doing to help to control your lawn against the Japanese beetle. If you live in the, in the valley, it's very easy to tack on a, a grub treatment to your, your fertilizing service. And often folks are prepared and are able to apply those chemicals. So everyone in the valley needs to be on their toes and thinking of having those conversations with their lawn care professionals. And it is likely the case that the county will <coughs> will approach um, you know treatment in a similar way to this year, but we don't exactly know if they're going to be covering the full amount of treatments in certain areas, if they'll do a cost share program. We're not sure. Nothing's really been stated. We just know that they have money in the budget and are committed to treating the Japanese beetle on private property yet again. Do you know whether there are any informational meetings or sessions um, scheduled or planned as we go into the time of year when when regular residents might might need some more information yes so csu extension is going to be holding a educational meeting we'll be talking about the history of the japanese beetle in colorado and upcoming plans this will likely occur in early march i don't have an exact date but I can pass that to you, and it can hopefully be announced on a future Garden Talk That'd be show. great. But yeah. heads up, folks, please attend our events. We work, we work hard to, to get these events together for you to attend, and um, please keep in mind it will be early March that CSU Extension will be giving an update over at our community building to, to keep everybody in the loop. Awesome. What else? What else you have going on right now? You know, it's been a busy conference season. Just uh, this time of year, we're writing things up. Projects are getting set in place for next year. As we discussed in our last show, there's lots of work elsewhere in the Tri-River area um, in terms of pest management. We have the corn earworm down in Olathe that had a devastating um, impact on our industry last year. And there's lots of research I'm working within that agricultural space to, to try to set up so that we can provide more infrastructure, whether it's through scouting or through research, to help to get more of an answer together on really what happened last year. But I can tell you it wasn't one thing. It's not a silver bullet the way folks want to hear, oh, what what was it that caused that, that devastating year? And, you know, I can tell you it was multiple things. Um, yeah, the stars, the stars aligned, the weather, the wind management lack of scouting and you know early enough i mean this pest showed up we lost control before we even really had a corn crop i mean every area of the united states lost control against the corn earworm at one point or another um last year it was just a profound year for the corn earworm um but yeah lots to do in terms of preparing for this very busy upcoming season under csu extension entomology but we're we're, we're in it to win it on this Japanese beetle problem. We, we are expected to work in different, different areas of urban pest management, agricultural pest management. Uh, I do want to shout out that we have 
a wonderful event that we work hard to put on. It's the Western Colorado Pest Management Workshop where folks are welcome to attend if you need pesticide credits. And there also will be many local updates on some of the issues happening in the Tri-River area. There's going to be a Japanese beetle panel our own Mona Dyer here will be participating in. and um, But if you're someone that has a private or a commercial pesticide applicator's license, this is an event for you. It's one of the largest in the state. You also get updates on what's happening regionally in terms of pest management. So that'll be happening in February um, at Victory Life Church. You can call the CSU Extension Office for details, but it'll be the 20th and the 21st of February. Lots going on. It's a buggy, buggy world out there, I'm telling you. So we haven't been really as cold as as we typically can get, and that oftentimes can cause us a little bit of heartache and heartburn. Um, So uh, some of those bugs may be showing up a little earlier. They may, there may be more of some things because cold didn't kill them off. The flip side of that, though, because we've been so dry, some of the bugs may be killed off. We just don't know. It's a time of change. The USDA has changed all of its growing zones more northward. The more the north range of many insect pests are are going more north, and we're having more pressure from them. And we're up for a pretty steep battle, I think, against some of these pests as we attempt to grow food here in Western Colorado. Here you go. Saddle up, kids. All right, listen, thanks everyone for taking the time to join us today. Appreciate your time. We will be open at Book Cliff Gardens again on February 7th, and we hope to see you then. Thanks a lot. Have a great day.